thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, your podcast on the IMDb 250. I am your host, and I'm just glad I'm not sitting here by myself, talking to myself, Tyler Hammond. And with me today, as always, she is a small version of an adult, Kelsey Nodge. What up? And joining us for the first time, it's a whole bunch of seatbelt symbolism for future dino sex, Zach Barr. Yo. I must have missed that part of the movie. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know there was a continuation, basically. I just, well, you know, I feel I just, like you led him into that title. I didn't think of that, and then I thought of it. Well, the seatbelt symbolism, because they're tying the two female ends of the seatbelt together. Because nature finds a way. way. No, na- nature yeah. uh, finds a way. Zach... Uh, co-owner of Have Fun Records. Um, I'm going to have to ask you not to have any fun today. This is a very serious conversation about a dinosaur movie. Um, but uh, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? Uh, pretty well. Pretty good so far. That's cool. How's life? Oh, it's going well. I like doing these podcast introductions where I pretend we haven't been talking for the last 20 minutes. It's a good time. Yeah, okay, and you yell at me for letting people see behind the curtain. I swear to God. What are you guys talking about? I just called in. <laughs> yeah. He's on the live right. First time caller, and he will take his Long-time time listener, yeah. first time caller. Uh, I'd like to make a comment of uh, Jurassic World. It isn't that bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm doing great because I have this blue moon first peach ale to refresh me inside of the blanket fort, and it is delicious. So, yay. We really need to get you a script for your ad (laughs) Was that Blue Moon? Blue Moon, yes. Is it Pure Michigan? The seasonal collection. I don't think Blue Moon is brewed in Michigan, actually. Let's uh, talk more about this uh, beer with a hint of orange peel for a crisp, slightly sweet taste. It's in uh, Colorado. Oh, screw this beer, then. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Locals only. <laughs> yeah, we're here today to talk about Jurassic Park mostly. We might uh, mention another movie that is somewhat related to this one. Oft maligned on this podcast. Oft maligned, and uh, I guess I just will not be able to help myself. Probably, I just feel very strongly about. We'll put it. like a warning before Tyler starts talking and let you know in the show notes when you can skip to the end of his unnatural, just... unholy rant. I'm going to try to keep it under... Uh, yeah, we'll get to we it. We all we'll remember get to what it. happened with Robert DiMici and The Revenant. Oh, so... oh my god. That was hilarious. The is Revenant rant. Is that what it was? Don't encourage him. <laughs> Too late. Anyway. Before we get to that, though, we want to talk about some things we've watched recently. Zach, what do you want to talk about today? Uh, well, I recently saw uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, a movie about the duality of John Goodman and John Badman. And to be honest, it was, it's honestly a great movie. I just don't like at this point, I don't even know what Cloverfield means. I don't know if it's like a Twilight Zone kind of like because the director did a AMA and he's like, it's in a, within a universe, but it's not like connected to it so i don't like great movie i just don't know what cloverfield is now 
That sounds like so J.J. Abrams. And I know J.J. Abrams didn't, like, really do this movie. He didn't write it or direct it. But it just sounds like some bullshit that he would tell the director (laughs) of his, like, Blood Brother sequel, kind of, and be like, yeah, dude, that sounds good. Okay, I also saw 10 Cloverfield Put the lens flare in there, man. (laughs) I also thought it was a great movie. I have, I mean, there are a lot of things we said about it, but I do think... Last I checked, it was on pace to make $30 million this weekend. Which, That's crazy. Yeah, which makes me happy because even though it's easy to make fun of J.J. Abrams' super secret marketing things that he always does, it's still kind of cool to see something that isn't just blasted in front of us everywhere for 12 months ahead of time and going through the normal PR circles. Succeeding. Star Wars. I say that did work for the witch though. <laughs> like well, that was, the, even that um I that was a it, I mean it was everywhere but it was a very targeted ad campaign and a very minimal ad campaign that just like yeah. really maximized its funds in certain areas and I think that's really cool too. Mm-hmm. And I, I I just I just like when marketing that isn't just put everything everywhere Avengers and such works out i think it's kind of cool that it was a surprise release only and we only found out about it two to three months ahead of time and that it was still successful despite that it was it was like the hollywood equivalent of like a mixtape drop or something (laughs) he just drops the mic and says here you go kids get psyched (laughs) and honestly i was i'm i like the first movie i don't know about you guys but i enjoyed it you you didn't i did i did oh you did yeah like I enjoyed it a lot. It's one of my favorite. I don't want to say my favorite movies of all time, but I like I can put it on and watch it whenever because it's only like 83 minutes and it's a quick watch. But oh. I wouldn't say this one's better than the original. I think it's like on par. I guess. I don't know where I'm getting with this. <laughs> I'm actually interested because like I haven't seen. I'm, I'm, it should be noted I am actually really excited to see this movie <laughs> as much as I like to make fun of J.J. Abrams. But I haven't Who seen. I haven't seen the original, and it's interesting to me to see what I perceive as like a shift over the years because I feel like I remember when that movie first came out, everybody was just pissed about like the ending and all really? of that stuff. And now I, I mean, that might have just been like no, the, the I, environment that I was in too. I also um, had have always both when it came out and the years since there's seems to have been some divide where generally i think it's taken fairly positively mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of resistance to it i find i mean i'm all about people coming around because i feel like i mean horror is one of those genres that is really divisive and really subjective mm-hmm. but so like i have no problem with people like maybe railing it at first and then realizing it was good or vice versa because there are definitely movies that don't hold up or that when you view later from a different perspective are a lot better than you originally thought. Yeah. Like I've, I grew up on like giant monster movies like Godzilla (laughs) and Gamera. So like having a movie, like a found footage giant monster movie was like a teenage boy's wet dream when that came out. (laughs) That That movie also had one of the best like ad campaigns I've ever seen within a movie. Like all the, like, I don't know if you ever were like a part of this, but like, you would have to find Easter eggs within the poster, and there'd be codes and stuff, and they like secret websites. It was crazy. It was like the first like internet mad hunt to find clues on this movie, and they kind of did that with Ten Cloverfield Lane, but it wasn't as like big. But that's why I enjoyed I enjoyed the announcement when it first came out. I was like, finally, 
we finally get to see like what more this movie has to offer kind of thing. Maybe that's maybe that's what the te- Cloverfield universe is is uh alternative marketing and aliens. And that's that's all you need. I mean I was thinking it was like a agents of shield kind of thing like maybe it's just a government organization like just doing alien stuff, you know. I think it would be really cool if they continue to tell small stories kind of in the around this whatever the Cloverfield event is. And this movie mm-hmm. does not get into it much, and I don't remember the first one entirely, but I don't know that this ties into what the actual event in the first one was. I didn't think oh. there were, like... Oh, spoilers. I'm going to edit yeah. that out. That was major spoilers. Major I mean, spoilers. Spoilers for the original Cloverfield. I mean, um, towards the end of the movie, you see stuff drop into the water, sort of how, like... Like, aliens landing on Earth. But I, it wasn't really, like, the aliens that you see in the movie kind of thing. It was more so... It, it wasn't, like, high-tech. It was more so yeah. just, like, these rural rural aliens. That mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. But just, like, bare-bones kind of thing. I'm okay but with yeah. them playing with that, though. I Like, I, I'm not super worried about connective tissue. I just think the idea of, like, an anthology um, universe is really cool. Uh, some yeah, people... Something. That some podcasters I listened to had proposed that for Fear the Walking Dead, like small stories within this zombie epidemic. And I think if that idea was taken to like an alien invasion or, you know, the events of Clover, the first Cloverfield, I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want this movie to get, I don't want this movie to turn into like, this franchise to turn into like Battlefield Los Angeles or whatever with, I think it was Aaron <laughs> Eckhart in that movie and holy Christ. That was not a good movie. Has Aaron Eckert ever been a lead in a movie and it wasn't a disaster? Like, I'm just <laughs> curious. Uh, technically, Olympus Has Fallen just got a sequel, so. But he's oh, not. Yeah. Is he oh. in the sequel? Yeah. I think it's... Is he? He's still the president. Oh, <laughs> okay. God. <laughs> I, have, I did not see that movie. Aaron Eckert but... would be the president. <laughs> Which is too bad because the other White House Under Attack movie was better. But whatever. Oh God, that's right. That was one of those things where two of them came out of the was was Ch- White White House down with Chan- yeah. was it Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx? That yeah. was yeah. That was that's some casting. <laughs> I actually like Channing Tatum. <laughs> I love Channing Tatum. <laughs> I can't. I wonder how good he is going to be as Gambit though. Is are they still doing that Gambit oh, movie? Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's, um, I, I'm stealing this from another podcast, so I can't remember who, but I don't know about Chan- I think film spotting. I don't know about Channing Tatum playing characters. I like Channing yeah. Tatum, like, either just, just being a big dude who kind of is either an action star or makes jokes. It's kind of a doodly dude. Actually. I, who looks like a thumb. I saw, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed him in Hail Caesar. Oh, I need to see that. I, I love, I love when he does a comedic role because he's really good at it. Yeah. Oh, that's, he's the reason why those twenty, the Jump Street series are doing like as Man. good as they are. And Man twenty-two jumps, twenty-three Jump Street and Men in Black crossover. Yes, that... I'm all about that. I am also all about that. I think that like that that kind of, I mean that kind of ties into Cloverfield a little bit too. People being cynical about, um, oh, they just slapped Cloverfield's name on it. To, get the marketing I'm like, you know yeah. in the world we live in 
yeah, it's true, but more people see the movie that way, and I think it, it could make for a really fun movie. Yeah, exactly. I was I wasn't like I I never complained about it. I was just kind of like confused on what Cloverfield is. I mean, it's better than like Paranormal Activity, where they started out with a thing and then they were like, "Okay, but what if it was actually this entire secret oh, plot?" God. And then they like well, clearly it's like the Saw series too. And then they were like, "Uh, we didn't think this through at all." <laughs> yeah, Paranormal Activity. I was like, that series I like I enjoyed, but like once three and four came around, I'm like, okay. I can't take this seriously anymore. I like three. Was, three was good. I just remember four like four was just. I just gone. remember a, a couple months ago seeing that the sixth one was coming out on DVD, and I was like, "Oh, so did they just give up on putting that in theaters?" I guess like you know, wait, Saw's a... coming back, right? Uh, yeah. What? No, no it's, it's not, is it? Yes, it wait, is. What? Saw's yeah. coming back. What? Okay, that was a movie that literally never needed a sequel. Yeah, got several of them. Got like fucking nine. Pardon my language. That's Nine. another one where three was actually like it dipped with two, came back a little bit with three, and then just went right off a cliff. Oh yeah. I, just, uh, I saw the first Saw movie against my wishes, pretty much, and like had to grudgingly admit, oh. like, yeah, okay, that was fine. And then I had to see the second one, and I was like, <laughs> uh, I don't know about this. <laughs> And I refused to watch any of them after that. Understandable. I mean, uh, if you think there are better movies you can spend your time on. I mean, undoubtedly, but... You know. This makes me bummed for The Conjuring 2. Because I think The Conjuring is, like, the best horror movie I've seen in the last ten years kind of thing. Man, and I really want that to be good. It's not. What? I well, it's like, you got, like, a 50... 50- that made no probably a ninety ten percent chance it will be good because like horror movie sequels usually are. I would like, like to yeah. believe that because they kept James Wan involved, that there's still a chance at it. Oh, he's still involved. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. still directing. Oh, that's good. Never mind. It could be good. That's what I like. I liked. I do want to say I liked Con- the Conjuring, but James Wan's camera is just so active, and I find it it gets too distracting at some points. He just loves doing ridiculous things with his camera that I kind of love, but also, I don't know. We'll see. I should probably do my other movie before we go. <laughs> oh, I, saw... I mean, Cloverfield was one of mine, too, so it's totally fine. Um, Double dipped. Yeah, I think I, I think I liked it even more than you did. I thought it was a really fun, smart movie uh, that is way better at a lot of the things it does than it has any right to be, really. And the fact oh, that yeah. it is Dan Trachtenberg's feature film, like feature length film debut, is kind of ridiculous because it just is very cinematic and accomplished for how small it is. You ever see his like Wikipedia page and see how many movies he got handed to, and they all got canceled, like right before they started production? They're like, you yeah, know what? No. He was going to do a Why the Last Man movie, and that ended up not happening. But I think, especially if this continues to make money, he'll. I mean, he'll probably end up making a Star Wars movie at some yeah, point. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. If freaking Colin Trevorrow can make Jurassic World after Safety Not Guaranteed, I do not see why Dan Drachtenberg can't make literally any franchise movie. <laughs> that's what they. I don't like. That's what they're doing. A lot of directors, like Gareth Edwards, did Monsters, then did Godzilla, and now is doing Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. like, 
a rocket launcher into Hollywood nowadays. And like I like I like Ryan Johnson for a while, but even with Looper, it wasn't the biggest movie. And now Star Wars Episode Eight. Ryan Johnson is phenomenal. No, I know, no. I, <laughs> trust me, I I've been a fan of him for a while, and he's he's the perfect choice for Star Wars Episode Eight. And then Colin Trevorrow. I'm just saying that historically, on. the second Star Wars movie is usually the best one out of the group. And they got the best director to do it. Well, I wouldn't say that with episode two. None of those count. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Historically, <laughs> in one of the two examples, I will acknowledge. <laughs> Look at me. Once I maligned Star Wars, and now I am a Star Wars truther. <laughs> I don't know. I have a BB-8 plush on my desk at work, so I can't talk shit on Star Wars anymore. Oh, I forgot Ryan Johnson did Brick. Dude, yeah. Brick, he did my favorite movie of all time, The Brothers Bloom, which we talk about at least once a month on the podcast. He did Looper, which is one of my favorite time travel movies, mm-hmm. despite the weird makeup that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's wearing. He's not wearing makeup, it's computer animation to make him look more like Bruce Willis. Oh god, that's even worse. Yeah, that kind of turned me off the movie, honestly. I mean, he had to look like Bruce Willis. You would think this could be solved by casting an actor who actually maybe looked like Bruce Willis, but, you know, like, why, whatever. <laughs> anyway, Zach, what was the other movie you watched that you wanted to talk about? I saw um, the new, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but Mamoru Hosoda, his new movie, The Boy and the Beast. Uh, this, this guy did, I don't know if you heard of Summer Wars or The Girl Who Left Through hmm. Time. Those his previous two films, also Digimon the movie. But... I actually own Summer Wars, but have never seen it. <laughs> you gotta watch it. That's I bought so good. it for like a dollar. That's like me with Terrence Malick movies that I own <laughs> and have never seen. It, It's like, this movie, he's like, alright, you want me to be the next Miyazaki? I'll be the next Miyazaki. And he's he goes hard. Like, I was, I was expecting the movie to be like, pandering or boring, but... Man, it's good. It's so good. I don't I don't want to like spoil it or anything, but it's pretty much like about a kid growing up between two worlds, a world of anthropomorphic animals and society. It's kind of weird. It has like hints of like Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke in there, but Now, where would you rank that with the other like furry movie that came out this weekend, Zootopia? Oh, <laughs> we talked about that. It was like, what a weird way to release the movie. But I haven't seen Zootopia, but on a scale of furry, this movie is kind of like creepy furry. Okay. So, yeah, it is. One of my favorite YouTubers was like, he went to go see the movie and he's a furry. And like, I guess the audience would like howl when the wolves howl and stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to see that movie now. I'm just... I've heard it's really, really good. Have some feelings yeah. about that. You know, this is this is particularly painful for I me. I didn't even know there was a furry thing going on with this movie. No, Disney literally marketed Zootopia to furries. <laughs> like, yeah. What? And like, I'm having okay. Look, I just found out last week that a bunch of furries got to go on the Paramore cruise, and I didn't. So I am like particularly sore. Are you denigrating furries right now? Yes. Called out. <laughs> uh, it's just yeah. hard to make it clear. So, uh, that's what's happening, because what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? But, um, yeah, so I just... We just lost yeah, half like, our fan base. <laughs> this entire, like, furry convention rented out a theater to see 
uh, in Vancouver to see Zootopia. Oh, my I guess God. it was crazy. No kids, either, apparently. I just feel good. very weirdly about a culture of people that takes things that are maybe meant for children and makes them sexual. I feel the same way about the My Little Pony people. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess, I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, that's not touching to this. <laughs> it's a real long conversation. I'm mostly just yeah. salty that furries got to go on Parahoy and I did it. <laughs> You're salty that anyone got to go on Parahoy. That's not true. A bunch of my friends got to go and I'm very happy for them. And also I hate them, but mostly I'm happy for them. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about a movie. Uh... Sorry. That a was furry my fault. Documentary. That was my fault. I just completely derailed that. I'm sorry. You you went total me on that right there. <laughs> you went 100% me. Furry rant. <laughs> Why? Why? Why have you done this to us? Anyways, The Boy and the Beast. Good Looks movie. Good. It sounds good. <laughs> Recommend. Do I dare ask what you recently watched is? Yes. So. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if we're all prepared for this or not, but, uh. I was prepared for what just happened. So. <laughs> the new trailer for Captain America Civil oh, War dropped <laughs> this week. I and can't believe I told you. I made. I, why did I suggest Tyler this? Tyler made this happen. So, uh. I did suggest it. Yeah. That. So, um, first of all, some real good stuff in there. Like, uh. Spider Man. Spider Man's motive mask. Spider-Man's co- costume that looks like it hasn't been rendered fully yet. No, sure. it really doesn't. <laughs> it does not look uh, right. um, An extension on the I want to punch you in your perfect teeth scene. And uh, really tellingly just Chris Evans' tortured face as he tells Tony that he wishes he could just look away from the problems, but he can't because he cares about humanity and people. Plot prediction. They're going to kiss. I, dude, literally, I would implode. She would. <laughs> I would be so happy if that happened. The moment at, we saw Avengers together, and the moment at the end when it looked like he was going to do CPR, or when Tony was going to do CPR on Steve. Steve was going to do Tony CPR on Tony. Come whatever. On. She, I looked over, and the look on her face was terrifying. <laughs> Literally all, okay, so Age of Ultron, despite its flaws, had so many good, like, Steve-Tony interaction moments. cutting. And literally every time, like, I just remember Tyler looking over at me, and, like, every time he looked over, I would just give him, like, this huge, like, shit-eating grin, like, it's happening. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, but, like, legitimately, I have had my doubts about Civil War and about the fact that it's basically Avengers 2.5 and Ant-Man and Spider-Man and all of these other characters just randomly being just put Shoveled in, in there. Everyone but Thor and Hulk. Yeah. yeah. But I think overall it's shaping up to be... It, I, I think it's going to be really good. I trust the Russo brothers after their phenomenal work on Winter Soldier, and I can't think of anybody who I'd rather... like. Just based on Winter Soldier, I can't think of anybody else I would rather have the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the hands of. It's also apparently 12,000 years long, so... I mean, the longer that I get to look at Chris Evans, the better, and... It kind of has to be that long with all the freaking characters. I know, like, they're like, alright, we have to put this cameo in, They said it would be the longest Marvel movie yet, and I was like, yeah, duh. You have (laughs) 3,000 people in this movie. I just, okay, 
as much as I, the Civil War arc in the comics is one of my favorite arcs, but I just kind of wish that we had been able to develop that, like, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but I really wish we'd been able to develop that Steve-Tony, like, friendship and or more beforehand, because I just, the only thing I worry about is that it's going to seem insincere that they're so torn in this conflict with each other because basically all we've ever seen them do in the cinematic universe is bicker with each other. Well, that's why they put in the trailer the perfect teeth line. So we have like a year's run up just being like, remember how they totally love each other and they're like best bros ever? You remember? You remember? <laughs> you remember it from the trailers And now. I mean like it's a thing where like obviously they can't include every single thing ever in the movies. But I do just like – I mean like – I know enough about their relationship in the comics that I can fill in the gaps and it is realistic to me. But I feel like people who maybe don't have that kind of knowledge and who haven't spent an embarrassing amount of time <laughs> looking into it are not going to have quite that same connection. It being I grew up on Civil War, so I'm hoping it's at least a fraction of what the comics were like. Yeah, Even same. if it's with the character perishing or not. I actually no names. Have- yeah, you know, you don't have to oh. whisper fan fiction. Like, I'm legitimately not embarrassed I know, about that. I know. I <laughs> like... <laughs> also, there is no way War Machine is the character who's dying. There's probably a oh, character yeah. dying. It's not War Machine. It's way too obvious. Spider-Man. It's like... <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Imagine... All right, this is my dream for Spider-Man, is that he, like, drops down, grabs the shield, and then immediately gets, like, taken the fuck out by someone <laughs> i Black hate Panther. i hate that they're including spider-man yes donald glover it'd be perfect miles morales 2016 yeah <laughs> but like that is like my pipe dream is that spider-man shows up and then just gets wasted <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> that'd be amazing <laughs> Can you imagine the fanboy like rage? Oh, that would be incredible. <laughs> that would and then be just the... and then just oh. like Captain Marvel shows up and is like, "Hey guys, what's up?" and just takes over. Well, now you're being unre- unrealistic. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Well, what, the ideal movie is I want this movie to be like they came together. I don't know if you've seen that with yes. Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd, yes. and instead it's Chris Chris Evans and. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. sitting at the side of the table, <laughs> talking to like Paul Rudd and like um, Anthony Mackie, I guess. Yeah. Just, I just them all to be like, "Mom and Dad, why are you fighting? We're yeah. all on the same side. You love each other." Like, um, Chris Evans did like a Tumblr ask session thing. It's like their version of the AMA, and somebody was like, "But Chris, why are Mom and Dad fighting?" And he's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> Like, whatever. Like, first of all, we all know that they are definitely looking at Tumblr because Robert Downey Jr. started calling Chris Evans, like, Dorito, which is what everybody jokes about and calls Chris Evans on Tumblr. because oh, the shape of his body. Because the shape of his body. <laughs> Why did I know that? Dorito, and then there's a left hand, left boob grab. Oh my <laughs> is the God. other big Chris Evans joke. Because every time I know he that, left, yes, I've he's seen like, it. Ah, ha, 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 just like grabs. No, you know, everybody God. else's left boobs are also not safe because he does it to the other guys too in the interviews. I swear to God. Do you not? <laughs> what have do, I done? Do you not wake it? What have I done? Did Tyler, would you say that you don't like it? <laughs> Which is the other Chris Evans meme. Anyway. Uh, I so, know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know it's a Chris Evans meme. 
I just want to point out that Tyler legitimately told me to talk about Civil War in the podcast. And because... I've already given her the go-ahead to do a preview podcast on Civil War. So anyway, the other thing that I watched this week. Um, so, My uh... slow demise. <laughs> As I slip into the void. So, I, I made Ben watch an episode of Portlandia this week because he has never seen Portlandia. I guess he is some sort of monster alien. I don't know. Correct. But, uh, so we we accidentally ended up watching the episode where they watch all of Battlestar Galactica and then, like, force the author of the show to make more Battlestar Galactica scripts <laughs> for them and they all do, like, a table read. So... We downloaded the entire series of Battlestar Galactica. No, you, 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 run, you purchased We downloaded it. from you Amazon. Yeah, you purchased with it. With money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so we're watching Battlestar Galactica right now. And for a show that's, like, pretty old in terms of, like, sci-fi effects and stuff like that, the visuals in that show are phenomenal. Is it My the OG only... Battlestar, or is it, like, the redone the, sci-fi the two, version? The, 2000, the sci-fi version, like, the 2001 that's a good one. Yeah, I just so my main issue so far <laughs> is that <laughs> every episode is like pretty much the same where it's like whoops, there is now a crisis. We must fix said crisis. Oh yeah, the first season? Yeah. So yeah. good luck trudging through that. That and like okay, so the first episode of the series literally drops you in with previously on Battlestar Galactica, leaving us scramble. Like Ben is seen, he's like <laughs> He's like, I've seen this show three times, and this gets me every time. So we're, like, scrambling to be like, did we miss the first episode? Like, did are they wrong in the download folder? Like, I don't understand. But, like, while I understand that that is, like, kind of a cool plot device, there is so much to unpack from this show. Like, we're, like, three or four episodes in now, and I'm honestly still not 100% sure what's happening. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. enjoy- I'm enjoying it. But there are some things that, like, I understand not wanting to give things away right away, but at the same time, you do kind of have an obligation to your audience to clue them in just a little bit. And, like, maybe it's because it is a remake of a different series. They kind of didn't feel like they had to do that. But it would be nice. (laughs) And, like, it just... Um, Ben made a really good point though that like the casting in that show is amazing like everybody looks like you feel like they should like the motherly president looks like like your mom kind of. Is that the thing with Katie Sackhoff? Yeah that was the other thing I was pleasantly surprised to see her because I love her. Yeah that's the one she's the one everybody wanted to play Captain Marvel Mm -hmm. but as I did not have not seen anything with her in it ever I don't know. No we have Uh, she was in Oculus. She was the mom in Oculus. Oh okay. But yeah, it's nice to... I've got a lot to do in that. And yeah, and like other positive things about the show so far is that it's like really diverse as far as like race and gender and everything goes. So it's nice to see a show where you have like the female president and like the female pilots, but also like the main, so far that I've seen, the main villain is like super evil, like female Cylon. So I just, I don't know. It's nice to see a show where like everybody is kind of allowed to do everything and it's not just like pigeonholed to like, oh, like heroic spaceman like kind of thing yeah that's why i've always like that's why i enjoyed it as a kid well not kid more so teenager but i was always able to get in that show easier than like star trek the next generation or any other sci-fi shows yeah sci-fi has a really bad habit of like excluding people who aren't already their hardcore fan base and like well i don't think that the show has so far done a perfect job of not doing that i think it's doing better than any other thing i've tried to pick up like stargate or whatever oh yeah <laughs> I, I quit stargate 
It's like, I, I feel like if I have to do like 700 hours of pre-reading to start watching your show, you're kind of doing a bad job with your show. <laughs> but that's yeah. my personal opinion. And I have also seen that episode of Portlandia. <laughs> I lo- Portlandia is so good. Like, <laughs> just so good. Anyway, uh, Tyler, what have you watched this week? Well, we mentioned the one already, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. I really liked it. I will probably be seeing it again pretty soon. Um, I think everyone should see it. Uh, it, it. Between that, between loving 10 Cloverfield Lane and The Witch and being uh, pleasantly surprised by Deadpool, it has almost made me forgot that I started the year off with the forest which is <laughs> you watch that we saw it in we theaters. paid money to go sit in a theater at 11 a.m no it was like 12 okay so this is actually a good story because while the movie was god awful oh, it so was bad it was super fun because we did shots of rum in the parking lot before oh, yeah, we, we went in and I it's ate... not a fun bad movie though it's, it's just not. really bad and we were a little we were kind of drunk, and also I got to drink or drink. I got to eat like a fuck ton of popcorn. And I broke a chair. <laughs> Tyler broke a chair. Yes. In the theater. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Broke it just, a theater it chair. just broke. I, I. It's not like the really nice theater in Ann Arbor. No. And the seat just like we were just like sitting there. We were all like messing around basically because it was like me, and my boyfriend, uh, my coworker Maddie, and her husband and Tyler. And we were just we were the only ones in the theater, so we were having a grand old time. And then the chair just like collapsed out from under Tyler, and oh, we were all like, yeah. "Uh, we're just gonna move slightly to the side of this and pretend that it never happened." <laughs> but yeah, that movie was trash. Ten Cloverfield Lane was great. I really want people to see it. Uh, I have a special place in my heart for when sci-fi or horror or anything like that that's somewhat thoughtful and smart about what it's talking about and is made on the smaller scale, even though this was released by, I think, Paramount, uh, <laughs> succeeds and is very good. Like So with uh, in past years, Coherence, the one I love, the things like uh, that have been very close to my heart. This one has a bit more of a budget, so it gets to do a bit more. Um, though it's mostly in the small basement, but it made me happy. And since we already talked about it for 30 minutes, I will move on. <laughs> I watched uh, half of the movie Legend. Oh, boy. Starring Tom Hardy <laughs> and Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. So I saw one full Tom Hardy movie, by that math. Uh, I did not have time to finish it, and I feel no inclination to finish it. It is a little, I feel like it's a little disingenuous to review a movie that you have not seen the entirety of. Didn't you recommend a movie that you'd never seen before? <laughs> Different. Oh, I thought you were talking about the le- like the, ni- the 1985 legend with like nope. Ridley the Scott. The 2015 I'm going to watch legend. that soon though. <laughs> and Tom Hardy does a very nice job as the two leading men, but the movie around it is the most paint-by-numbers gangster movie I've ever seen, right down to the on-the-nose expository expository narration by Emily Browning, who it's just, yeah, the movie is just a total waste of a few decent actors, and it, it kind of bummed me out. It kind of reminded me of Gangster Squad, though, what I, I was saw was... What's that? I was about to say that. It sounds like Gangster Squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it wasn't as bad as Gangster Squad, the part that I saw, but it was 
disappointing and kind of a waste of decent people within the movie. Man, I really wish that Emily Browning could catch a break the past couple yeah. of years. And by decent people, I am not including Sean Penn as a <laughs> Thank <you>. decent person. <laughs> but yeah, though. So one, th- I, I really liked the one thing, and the other thing was not good. What has Emily Browning done? I'm taking a uh, podcast break to look up her. Emily IMDb. Browning was in Sucker Punch, which, if you watch yeah. the extended version, is not terrible. She's fine in Legend. It's just, and she she's... also did Sleeping Beauty, which is Oof. to this day the weirdest uh, and most fucked up movie I have oh, ever no. seen. Oh, and... she was in Pompeii. Yeah. And uh, God help the girl. Yeah. And something she called Plush. In... The host, not the Korean host, but the shitty host. Uh, Was she? You see, okay, so I would say that Sleeping Beauty is probably the most interesting movie she's done, but, like, have you seen that, Zach, or no? No, I'm probably going to add it to my list. I have, like, the premise is that she signs up to work for this company that at first kind of seems like nude waitressing, and then it turns out that, like, a lot of the job is being drugged and letting old men just like sleep in bed next to you. And huh. it is probably one of the most uncomfortable movies I've ever seen. She like co-starred in a movie with Dan Stevens. I legitimately like, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to admit this, like it's shitty, but I'm going to admit it is that when I watched that movie, I was like 18 or 19 and I heard that Emily Browning was naked in it. So that was kind of why I wanted to watch it. But the nudity in that movie is so upsetting on every level that, like, I'm sure lots of people watched it for that exact reason, and that's why it has such a terrible rating on IMDb. But just a a very well-done movie, but a very uncomfortable experience. (laughs) I guess that was my mini-review that we just stuck in there for that movie. No, it's, it's okay. But yeah. I just wish that she could do something that wasn't like middling or completely divert, like completely devoid of value. Yeah. Well, that was that was a cheerly end to recently watched. Anyways, let's talk about dinosaurs. We watched Jurassic Park. Since the beginning of time, man has searched the earth for evidence of its past. But while some have looked for clues to the mystery, one man has found the way to bring the mystery back to life. I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica, and I spent the last five years setting up a kind of biological preserve. Here, on this private island, science has defied evolution. Where do you get a hundred million year old dinosaur plot? Genetics has mastered creations. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet and extinction is a thing of the past welcome to jurassic park jurassic park was currently number 199 on the imdb top 250 movies with a rating of 8.1 it also has 93% with an 8.3 rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the audience score is similar because the audience is actually right on this one. I'll just go ahead and say ahead of time. And 91% and 3.6. Metacritic 68 and 8.7. That's probably the biggest difference. Uh, this movie was a fair success. Uh, it made more money than, I don't know, most of all the other movies combined in 1993. When on a $63 million budget, it, well, these are two dates, so it includes releases, but it has made $402.4 million domestically, 
$626.7 million in the foreign box office, giving it over a billion dollars box office in its uh, lifetime. It won all three Oscars it was nominated for. Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Sound, and Best Visual Effects. Shockingly. Lost, it did not get nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, unfortunately. Steven Spielberg got nominated for some other movie put out that year. Uh, Schindler's List. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, well, you said? Steven Spielberg. Uh, <laughs> this man? I don't know what this other movie he directed was, but uh, I guess they liked that better than Jurassic Park? We'll see. Uh, it's based on the book by Michael Crichton, who also wrote, helped write the screenplay. And uh, it's has spawned a franchise that, while though the first two iterations made continually about 50% as much money as the first one, at least domestically, suddenly exploded with the fourth iteration my favorite thing is like we'll get to that. when people just decide that it's gonna happen and it happens <laughs> like it worked out this time unlike terminator which they keep deciding to make happen and this is <laughs> this is like the other time in the podcast i referenced this but when i went to new york and someone said stop trying to make queens happen queens will never happen <laughs> i do terminator <laughs> will never happen i do think like our societal refusal to just let things go or let things end has a huge part in that and a huge part in like jurassic world existing and in many <laughs> movies existing as we already mentioned that with uh saw and paranormal activity <laughs> yes but they were rewarded this time well we're talking about jurassic park so i'm gonna ask zach what <laughs> dinosaurs dinosaurs the vi- I just what was that? What was the video. That was, that was the DNA guy, right? Oh, yeah. right, 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 yeah. With dinosaur DNA. Yeah. But, um, I want to talk about each each of our rela- uh, relationships with this movie. Uh, Zach, you, this was one of the movies you suggested when uh, we approached you about being on the podcast. Why did you, why was this on your list? What is your relationship with Jurassic Park? Honestly, this is like the first. If I can like think of the first movie I ever watched, I think it's either Jurassic Park or Twister. It was like the two first movies I ever watched as a kid, and I've seen this movie so many times because, like I said, I'm like a. I always watch giant monster movies. I always watch Godzilla, and this like fell into that niche for me, where it's like giant dinosaurs, dinosaurs, and it's just like each time I watch this as I got older. Like, you've discovered new things where I feel like this is, like, a bona fide all-ages film where there's something in it for everyone. And, yeah. Great Especially work. when Ian Malcolm comes out and said, that's a big power shit. <laughs> yeah. It was just, like, it, I can't believe how well it holds up, even in, like, this year. Like, I rewatched it a couple days ago, and... Just how timeless all like the practical effects are, and even the CGI. I just legitimately want to know who made what deal with Satan to make that possible, because there is literally no reason that a movie made in 1993 should still look that good today. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's the company Industrial Light and Magic. Like, they they've done like work in the past, but like I don't know what it is with this movie, but like they hit the nail on the head and changed like cinema because like everything afterwards is pretty much been cgi reliant because before jurassic park uh 
what they said was like they were gonna do the um, stop motion effects, like they were to do like the old claymations, like you'd see in the older dinosaur movies. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I can't think of one. But then they transferred over to CGI after they found out, whoa, this actually looks way better. And it's it's surprising how well everything still holds up, like you said. And I think this is one of those movies that comes along every now and then that allows us to stand on our soapbox and yell for the uh, use of more practical effects and, like, CGI to supplement it. Yeah. Like, The Thing is a big one, although that's all practical effects, but that's a big one that comes up a lot. And just last year, Mad Max is the latest version of that, where it's like, yeah, practical effects are awesome and I do, yeah. Like, I I never want to posit that graph like computer graphics are completely wrong but i do think that using them together with practical effects achieves so much better results every single time and i do, like it literally baffles me that we have like a movie like san andreas for mm-hmm. example where it's literally just cgi building explosion after building explosion and wave and disaster and all this stuff and it's just like that movie's gonna look like shit in like three years or case in point, <laughs> the remake of the thing, where it's all CGI reliant, oh, pretty nice. much, and that was terrible. I actually also, watched that not too long ago. <laughs> I will still say that that movie is better than it has any right to be. <laughs> I really did not like it. Yeah. The remake? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it either. Thought it was okay. Well, I watched okay. I watched the thing for the first time, and then immediately after that, oh, watched no. the new version. Oh no! So that don't might watch, don't watch the thing anywhere near that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still maintaining the biggest factual accuracy in that is that what's his face never wears a hat outside in Antarctica, and it really bothers me. <laughs> but that is not what we we're talking about. <laughs> no, and um, oh, and I mean, I'm sure people get tired of hearing about practical effects, but. Being able to see Sattler and Grant, like when they touch that sick triceratops, when they touch that sick triceratops and like grab its horn, or when Grant basically lays across its belly, like that, no matter how hard you try, you can't achieve that same aesthetic with CGI. Like you just cannot make it as believable that they're actually touching something. Well, right, and it's like actors are good at their job, but they're not perfect. And, like, when you literally have, like, a tennis ball to react to as Mm. opposed to, you know, a giant animatronic dinosaur, you're never going to be able to really make that same connection. Whereas, like, I mean, I have a very vivid memory of when I was young. Like, when I was little, we visited my great-uncle in Seattle, and we went to the Natural History Museum, which had, like, a Jurassic Park exhibit at the time. And they had one of the animatronic T-Rexes. I don't think it was one of the ones from the movie, but it was similar. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it was an animatronic, and it leaned down and, like, roared at me. And I have, (laughs) I just remember having nightmares about that for years. (laughs) And that, you cannot, you cannot get that same effect on people from an image, like, from trying to have them react to something that isn't actually there. Mm -hmm. It's really just incredible how much most of it holds up there are a couple things where you see the seams a little bit but for the the most part the only one i can majorly think of is when they're like in the field and the dinosaurs are running around them that's the only one that looks the brontosaurus one Mm. i didn't like i don't know well on the blu-ray we release i I know what you're talking about with the brontosaurus where it looked really out of place yeah like i'm thinking that might be because of the transfer but yeah 
with the new HD stuff, it kind of looks that and the Gallimimus trampling the trampling the kids in the logs and the yeah. tears. Yeah. So, yeah, that one was yeah. like. I was actually pretty happy because the only version I could find to watch for free was like 720p. And I think it was actually better to watch it that way than to try and watch it in Super HD because, I mean, that's probably closer to the specs that they would have had in the yeah. 90s. The T-Rex and the Raptors still hold up really well, especially the Raptors, The like, even with, like, the little head quirks and things like that, I especially noticed it when the one shows up and lifts the plastic up and just, like, quit, like just uh, cants its head a little bit. Well, that's, like, like, a really, that was a really conscious decision on Spielberg's part, actually, because of his work on E.T. Things, well, things look more realistic when they do things yeah. that, like, real animals would do. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, in real life, animals aren't just advancing your plot all the time. Yeah. They just stop and do things because they're animals. Unless they are T-Rex ex machina. T-Rex machina. But, Kayla... And when did how, I have actually have no idea when did you first see this? You movie? know, it's actually funny. I, I know that this is a movie that's a huge part of a lot of people's childhood, right but here. I've literally only until today I've only seen this movie once before, mm-hmm. and I actually have a very vivid memory of it because my dad wanted us to see it, and so me and my dad and my brother watched it on VHS, and I just remember I think I was ten or eleven, and being fairly engrossed by it but i think that since i only saw it once as a kid and not like continually and not it didn't really cement itself as part of that like childhood movie experience so i felt kind of bad because when i was watching it i was like a lot of this is really ridiculous (laughs) i don't want to rain on people's precious childhood memories but just like so much of the movie is so goofy so goofy but like not in a bad way it's one of those movies that i feel like is kind of that the height of that like 80s 90s not necessarily made for children but works for everybody kind of film because we don't really i feel like we don't really have that that much anymore it's either like solidly a four kids movie or solidly an adult movie we don't really have that like crossover family genre sort of thing anymore except for spielberg with jurassic park et and hook well, yeah, well, like, yeah, I mean, now, like, in the present <laughs> yeah, day, we no, don't, no. we don't really have, the studios just aren't really putting out movies like that. And I know people will make arguments that, like, the Marvel movies are kind of for everybody, but I kind of, I, I don't think that it's the same caliber. I don't yeah. think it's the same caliber at all. The only one I could think of that's kind of like that, maybe, maybe it would probably be, like, Pacific Rim or something, where maybe. I could see. And even, and even then, that's, like super there's a lot of death in that movie like even if it's not super spelled out and that's my main issue with calling like the marvel movies family movies because if you take like winter soldier for example at least 50 people die in the opening sequence of that movie a lot of people die. like it's not it's not really a family-friendly movie and i think now a lot of movies get away with kind of positing themselves that way because of that snarky humor thing that's really popular but getting away with a lot of violence yeah and that's not that's not really making like good family entertainment in my opinion it's just covering up what you're doing (laughs) with a throwaway joke that's what i think jurassic park did well is that they didn't have to like overcome the violence there i mean there was some violence but like it would all it'd still have the same impact without singing the blood splatter because you had like guy getting eaten off the toilet uh seinfeld guy getting eaten in the car um 
I feel like they could, they did a really good job of being of making sure that you know that if you were attacked by a dinosaur, this is probably what would happen, without going over the top and having it. Like, for instance, James Cameron was one of the proposed directors, and he said he basically was going to make aliens with dinosaurs. Oh. So, well, imagine... That's, that's pretty that. much what Jurassic World is. Yeah. Hey, so he, I was going to make the comment. There's the one, especially a certain death, that... Ugh, it's just excessive. But, so, I am one of those people, Kayla referred to, with precious childhood memories. I think the only movie I saw more than this as a kid was Toy Story. Oh. Um... But it has been a couple years, and so I wasn't totally sure what to expect coming back to it. I still really love it and think it holds up pretty well, not just visually, but as a whole. Um, I a, a lot of the stuff I've still feel like a lot. The lot. I mean, Spielberg's just a really good filmmaker, and the scenes of danger and tension with the car in the. Um, um, in the kitchen and things like that. Those, like those two, especially when the T-Rex first attacks them in the car and when the Raptors go after the kids in the kitchen are just some incredible pieces of set pieces of tension and danger and really kind of heart stopping. And, but also the thrill of discovery in this movie. Uh, I what just seeing Sattler and Grant and they're just genuine, wonder and awe when they see these dinosaurs both close up and from afar it just transfers really well and it conveys really well and i don't know like, there are definitely some silly like some silly parts the brontosaurus sneezing on lex and uh the t-rex silently coming out of nowhere at the right moment but I, I, I don't know, and I'm sure much of the science we already know does not hold up super well. Oh, yeah. Dinosaurs didn't look like that. I don't know if Unix systems look like that, and the fact oh, that no, Lex no. is... <laughs> the fact that Lex is a hacker, and that's kind of what saves the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which, by the way, she didn't hack anything. No, she logged she, into the computer. She operated was... a computer system. Yeah. Yeah. Despite those things... I still think I, I I think it's a great movie. Um, not just as like a family movie or as like a classic Spielberg, but I just I think it's really good. Part of the si- part of the science in the movie, I guess, like you know how they talked about the genomes or um what was it them getting the DNA out of the mosquito? Yeah. I guess like at one point they uh, some scientists thought it was a plausible like thing that could happen. But, like, after the movie came out, they debunked it and stuff. So I guess, from what I saw with it, like, the bonus features and stuff, that was, like, the most plausible way to reincarnate dinosaurs, if they could, was through that method. In 2005, actually, there was a scientist that found, like, blood samples and marrow tissue inside this, like, in the skeleton of a T-Rex, I guess. So some people have posited that it may actually be possible (laughs) for what happens in this movie to happen in real life once the... The science is far enough along. Oh, I can't wait. Oh my god, have we not learned? That's really that's really my main issue, is I feel like the first Jurassic Park is really good, and that the sequels are almost kind of really unnecessary. Oh, all the sequels are unnecessary and Although not I will say, great okay, alright, so a couple of things. Um, like, how many times do we have to do this before we realize maybe making dinosaurs is a bad idea, because it always ends badly? And second of all... 
if there had not been any sequels, I'm just kind of baffled by the choice to have the movie end on just the helicopter flying away. Because yeah. what's out. the what's the plan there? Like, we're just going to let the dinosaurs run that island? We just have an island in the world with dinosaurs? Some of them can... Uh, if you've seen the sequels, yes. Some of them can fly, you know. And mm. I, I don't know, maybe they become a, an advanced... Well, they're, they're just glad they sur- survived right now. They'll take care of that okay, later. Okay, but that super needs to be addressed. Again, so, like, if there were no sequels, they'll, that needs to be they'll addressed. They'll someone eventually. <laughs> they're time. just like, uh, and also, in what world do, does somebody get to build a park which results in the deaths of several people, and he just gets to fly away kind of being bummed that it didn't work out? Well, like, in the, the book, UN... he actually dies, which solves that problem because the person responsible is gone. I just feel that he should be criminally prosecuted by someone <laughs> also, for the gross negligence he showed. I will say, I, this movie shows detailed, like, though, like, stuff like that is obviously elided over. There are certain details that they include that I didn't have to. The worker who died, there's a $20 million lawsuit, which immediately made me think, how the hell are they going to make a plausible sequel to Jurassic World when all those people died and no, you're not getting a fucking park? <laughs> like, I no, just... no, and... No. Yeah, I think that is kind of the downfall of the entire series is that while there is great attention paid to dinosaurs and how they would maybe have looked mm-hmm. and how they would have interacted with things and walked around, the characters are so secondary. Like, if you look at it, we have Determined Woman, Crazy Old Man, Reluctant Father, now, Super Asshole. I want to posit that, <laughs> especially compared to the new one, which seems preposterous when you have someone like Chris Pratt involved... But I feel like the characters are well-drawn enough in this movie. They're um, fine, but I feel like they rely so much on stereotypical behavior. I don't know if it's always stereotypical behavior or, like, some of the context clues. Like, you are, like, you you get to, it shows Dr. Sattler, like, it shows her how smart she is. Like, she solves a number of problems because she is a botanist, cares a lot about botany. Um but especially the first scene, I I feel like the first scene does a lot of the heavy lifting for those two. But the first mm-hmm. scene um, really establishes Dr. Grant and the type of person he is. He doesn't like kids. He cares a lot about, uh, like, traditional archaeology and paleontology. You know, I was thinking while I was watching, I find it interesting that the resolution of both Jurassic Park and Jurassic World is that the person who didn't think that they liked or wanted kids suddenly realized that maybe kids aren't so bad after all. I feel okay. Although it's a lot. That's why it's a family movie. It's oh. also a lot. It's a lot less gross no. in Jurassic Park. Jurassic case. Worlds. It's a joke. It, it's really gross and a joke. Whereas that this one, it, I don't even feel like it's necessarily about like him wanting to have kids. That's one thing that struck me always as a kid too. Sattler and Grant. I was never totally sure that they were romantic. Yeah. So. I never thought that either until recently. Sometimes it implies it a little bit, or like there might have been something once. But I for the most like part, yeah. I think they're just like best friends and colleagues. Yeah. Which I think is really cool, honestly. As, as someone who has had the type of friendship where people are always constantly like, when will you guys get together? Hey, that's and, us. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> like it's refreshing to see that kind of thing on screen and not have them explicitly get together in the end or make some grand romantic gesture and like she gets to flirt with jeff goldblum and all that other stuff which is also a really good like 
I like how she's just totally not into it. She's all about the science, but Jeff Goldblum is another interesting part of this movie. He's just there. Like, yeah, really. First of all, he's a rock star mathematician. And yeah, chaos actually, theorist. <laughs> why is he there other than to just be like, you guys, chaos Well, he's, he's, he's supposed to be one of the people. He's the one that they got first to come and okay the park. I know, it's just like... But also, in the book, it's implied that he dies. And even in the book, that's kind of like retroactively, for the sequel, he's back. Jeff Goldblum retcon. Yeah. But it's kind of telling in this movie because he only returns to be injured, lounging sex appeal. I love it. He's very involved in the first half. He's just sex appeal in the second. I think it's really fun, but it is kind of funny that he just disappears almost entirely. <laughs> I love that. I just, that pan away where they cut to him just laying with his shirt <laughs> open is my favorite part of the there movie. There is a reason that image has lasted. <laughs> it's iconic. <laughs> <laughs> also, another fun point. Uh, Sam Jackson's in this movie. And first of all. Hey, good Easter egg. Yeah, it, it's Sam Jackson actually playing, a, like, a whole character, and it isn't, like, it's Sam Jackson playing a Sam Jackson-y kind of character, which yeah. is most of the things he does now. Also, he looks older than this movie than he does in, like, everything except for maybe Hateful Eight. Yeah. I feel like, modern or Sam Jackson looks ageless, whereas Sam Jackson in this movie, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, that dude's getting, getting up there in years, got some salt and pepper going on it's just like it's it's amazing how far sam jackson's come i guess <laughs> and also uh the technology that stars can use to make themselves stay young technology surgery <laughs> health etc i mean also a lot of things that make him look older that movie could be makeup too oh absolutely and this movie was before pulp fiction too wow. and i really realized that it always surprises me when sense. I realize what year Jurassic Park came out. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> so that, I thought this came out during, like, Sam Jackson Prime years, but not really, I guess. Well, like, I don't know. He's kind of just there. Like, that was the thing that surprised me. It's weird to see an actor that you can that is now so prolific in a role like that that's kind of just a throwaway. Well, it's, he blend, like, he's just playing a character. Yeah. He, he really blends in in the way that Sam Jackson now... Does just not cannot blend in. Yeah. Um, I also want to shout Laura Dern, uh, partially because I also just saw 99 Homes, a movie where she does not have much to do but shines and when she does. She is a really great actress, and it's just very rarely showy. I just, like, I every time I see her, I believe her fully, and I she's just... She's really one of those, good. Yeah, that's... she's one of those actresses I feel super got shafted by the rise of, like, the super sex pot kind of late 90s, early 2000s movies. Yeah. Because she doesn't have quite that appeal, but she's a phenomenal actress, and everything I've ever seen her in yeah. is amazing. She played, um... I need to see Enlightened, her HBO series that went for two years, because mm-hmm. she's apparently just a powerhouse in She that. was in that HBO movie with Kevin Spacey about the uh, Republicans rigging the election <laughs> so that George she's Bush actually gonna be in the new star wars i saw that yeah before the podcast which made me really excited just more give laura dern more to do she is too good to be as like she is an undervalued national yes. treasure 
Yes. She's honestly one of my favorite parts in the movie. Like that whole scene where she's like running away from the raptors. Oh man, so good. That and I just love that. Okay, it's not very often in movies like this where women who are smart and competent get to just do that and show that they're excited about it because a lot of times when you have like the competent female scientist she has to be really blasé about it or she has to spend the entire movie proving herself or learning how to feel emotions yeah and so in this movie yeah so in this movie laura dern is just a really a, a very passionate botanist paleontologist she knows her stuff and everybody just accepts that and, and respects her and respects her yeah and she is never necessarily like the dam the damsel in distress she is just very smart and capable throughout the whole thing and that is really special to me regardless of how cheesy i think other parts of the movie are it's one of those times when you see that it's like why like why wasn't this one of the things that was copied more this movie was hugely successful what lesson we did, we took like the giant monster and CGI lessons Everyone's, from it. Yeah, so that's the problem is that a lot of times things like that are overlooked because they're people, not as showy. Yeah, it's not showy, and so people are gonna be like, "All right, shirtless Jeff Bloom, dinosaur." Okay, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Those are the things that matter in life. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I would I wouldn't say. Would you think this movie had like star power behind it? Like I don't know how big Jeff Goldblum was back then. But like, no, that's well, that's he's. I mean, he was coming off of the fly and like a couple other things, but I don't think he was huge by any means. That's something I always found interesting about this movie too. Is like we said, Laura Dern's pretty undervalued, and I think kind of always has been. Sam Neill's like uh, an accomplished British actor, but he's like his biggest movie besides this is Event Horizon. Oh God. And... That's yeah. where I recognized him from. <laughs> we watched that over the summer. Yeah, we did. Yes. <laughs> that movie Don't is really guess. disturbing. It's something. <laughs> it's really something. Oh, I like that movie much more than you do. I can't believe I love that movie. Anyways. <laughs> but yeah, that's something that's always been interesting because it's not like um, Spielberg couldn't get stars. It's just that this in this movie... While I will defend the characters and the performances and all the stuff, all that stuff, the the dinosaurs and the effects are the stars of the movie. Oh yeah. And I think that it's interesting to note also that the dinosaurs and the effects are the stars of the movie without really overpowering the movie, oh. which is the main complaint that I've heard about Jurassic World is that it's like all dinosaurs every second. Yeah, like you have like you have these very real, established human characters who are just. I mean, we're introduced to them, but it's very it all feels very natural. Like that the humans feel very natural. Their reactions to the dinosaurs feel very true and just it's just really well done in a way. I I did not see this movie right before Jurassic World partially because I knew I would have a very emotional reaction. And when I saw Jurassic World, I was kind of miffed by it, and then over the next 48, 72 hours, my opinion of it dropped. Didn't you see it steadily, twice, like, really say. close together, or no? I did. I think I saw it with my siblings, That's which is, like, The Revenant in that doubling down on these movies I didn't really like in the first place, and then found even more problematic. But after watching this... I cannot imagine how much I'd hate Jurassic World if I saw this and that in quick succession. This because is what happened. all the right. things that this movie does well, that movie does poorly. 
how I rewatched Jurassic World recently, and then rewatched Jurassic Park. And you, let me tell you, you appreciate Jurassic Park so much more. Because <laughs> when I think back to Jurassic World now, when I saw the movie, I was like, yeah, dinosaurs, yeah. But then when I think about it, it's like the practical practical effects are pretty much absent. Like the realism, you're like, you're not, you're, you're not like, it doesn't feel like you're part of the dinosaur world anymore. It just feels like you're in a world like with dinosaurs yeah. <laughs> like yeah another super it. yeah like another super special effects extravaganza yeah where we because especially considering how big of a part of that movie chris pratt interacting with the dinosaurs is none of it ever comes close to even touching when we see like when we see grant interacting with the triceratops or some of the other dinosaurs and um like none the human characters are jokes like i know kayla i don't you weren't a big fan of the kids in i actually so i sent that message i sent that message and then i actually ended up kind of coming around to them later in the movie which makes me happy because i like okay to be fair though that girl literally just spends the whole movie screaming and it's like all right i understand that this is terrifying but at a certain point you just need to be like all right this is happening (laughs) and stop screaming like you're dying every two seconds like they aren't they aren't necessarily impressive but even when i was like, like they just feel like kids Maybe, Compared like, to the Jurassic World kids, though. The, holy, the holy. Jurassic World kids are such afterthoughts, it's a joke. Like, with the older one being creepy, and then nothing happens with him being a creepy, terrible boyfriend. That whole scene younger, where they're just, like, staring down those girls, oh my gosh! It lingers on him leering at girls, and nothing comes of it, except his little brother makes, like, a bad joke. It's so baffling the characters in those that movie are baffling although i'll just another thing and this is more this isn't a thing that upset me as much in the moment but in jurassic world slight spoilers bryce dallas howard outruns the t-rex in heels yeah and that's another thing when you see jurassic park and they have to go full bore in a jeep to escape from the the t-rex that stands out a little bit more like oh that makes no sense at all and it's like we've talked about this on the podcast before too oh my god i just the whole the whole thing with jurassic park is that i felt that laura dern's character and the younger girl were handled very well yeah and that they were treated with respect even if they weren't super well fleshed out Mm -hmm. and the, the whole Jurassic World high heels thing has been dissected to death by people on the internet. But my main thing about it is a lot of people trying to be like, oh, it's this great feminist moment because she chooses to wear high heels. And it's like, all right, if the writers were not men, that would make sense. However, you have a bunch of dudes who decided it would be probably slightly hilarious to have a woman outrun a T-Rex in high heels. And it just is such a silly decision that makes no sense. I think Bryce Dallas Howard said she chose to wear the heels. I just... Maybe? I don't know. No. Even, like, regardless, <laughs> her outrunning a T-Rex is... It's ridiculous. Given what that the, given what this very franchise has uh, canonized, I guess, or has set up, is patently ridiculous. Like, we don't know how fast T-Rexes actually are, but we have seen in past movies that they're goddamn fast. And also, they actually say just... they're 32 miles an hour in the movie. 
twice oh, as fast God. as yeah. the peak human speed, I think. I don't, maybe her maybe her high heels have superpowers, oh, and when she puts them on, she can run faster than the speed of And light. that doesn't even get into the assistant, and, oh, yeah, that movie. That movie has terrible opinion. Like, even within the movie, Jurassic World has a terrible opinion of all its female characters, and which... Which is so disappointing when you consider that Laura Dern is kind of the, like the hero of the first movie. She's the one that gets the power turned back on. She's the one that grabs, like, helps him hold the door down. Like he wouldn't have been able to do that without her. I don't. Prometheus didn't have as glaring of like issues with Charlize Theron or Numi Rapace. Um, but it's like if, given what Ripley was an alien, it's like if Prometheus had treated their female characters like just ridiculously, like. Women can't be scientists or captains or... Women only want children. Captain woman, what about baby? I know. And that's why, like, I I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen Jurassic World. (laughs) But given everything that I've heard about it, I have no interest in it. Because I have, like, there's enough media in the world where I have to see the female characters treated in that way. And I just, it's exhausting, and I just don't feel like it when I can just watch this perfectly great dinosaur movie where that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, now since you brought up Prometheus, what's better, (laughs) Prometheus or Jurassic World? I told you this is a horrible question. (laughs) I I will take Prometheus. I I would take that one, too. After there are enough thing, there are enough things that I really like about Prometheus that I will take it over. I just am still not over the fact that she runs in a straight line from the spaceship when she could just dodge Wh- to the side. See, one thing I like about that is that we now have the pr- the phrase the Prometheus school of running away from things. <laughs> For when characters in movies run in a straight line instead of going anywhere else. <laughs> Although I do have uh, the Prometheus. Thank you, sense. <laughs> Prometheus does get the points of having handsome Squidward in the beginning so <laughs> also michael fassbender my man <sighs> my also ridley scott thing. is a much better director than colin trevorrow which isn't necessarily trevorrow's fault he hasn't been doing this nearly as long but shots fired at colin trevorrow there's just yeah i mean there's just there's just nothing that great about like jurassic world does many things poorly that jurassic park did super well and I mean, you just there's just different calibers of directors. Yeah. Like, I would not ever try to say and that. Even separate from Jurassic Park, Jurassic World does a lot of things terribly. Like, even without taking Park into consideration. I mean, I just feel like if if nobody had ever seen Jurassic Park and there wasn't that kind of crazed '90s nostalgia, I don't know if that movie would have necessarily succeeded because mm-hmm. in today's terms, it's not doing anything special. It has a bunch of CGI monsters. Mm-hmm. It has really one-dimensional characters. And it has ridiculous ending. <laughs> like, it's just objectively not great. Now, have you two seen the second and third parts of Jurassic of the Jurassic universe? I have, but not in a long time. Okay. Like, I'm not, I can't talk about them, I, I don't think. <laughs> I've seen them both numerous times. I refuse three. I don't believe it exists. So, <laughs> it's just two for me. Especially considering they bring back Alan Grant, that movie is very upsetting. But 2 was also directed by Steven Spielberg, and though it's definitely not nearly as good as Jurassic Park is, there are some really, really good sequences, like, as I mentioned, with the the imposing power of dinosaurs and the terror of survival and all that stuff that are really good. Um, 
that make that movie redeemable in ways that three is not. Oh yeah, like at, at least with the Lost World, you have iconic moments where like a T Rex in a city is enough to get me crazed and all aboard yeah. this movie. Or the mobile home falling around them, which, while silly, is very effective in that oh, movie. Oh, yeah. That's, that's classic Spielberg. Oh, yeah. That dude can make a movie. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. With, like, a mediocre Vince Vaughn performance. Always mediocre anyways. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Jeff Golden was all right. But, I mean, yeah, it's not as good as Jurassic Park, but it's... It goes, for me, it goes Jurassic Park, Lost World, Jurassic World, and then the other one. Jurassic Park 3. That shall not I be think made. it is just called Jurassic Park 3, too, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so late. That was made by the guy who made the first Captain America. That's really disappointing. <laughs> I actually, I know a lot, of, a lot of people have really, I'm sorry. No. Why did I do that? I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. We can edit that out. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's, that, that was my bet. Like, I, I just happened to see it was made by Joe Johnson earlier. So I, I don't it. think he's a bad director. That, that um. movie, that Jurassic Park 3 had no chance. It, I don't think it ever had any chance. Um, His best movie is Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah. And, and I my... think, I, I think, again, we talked about this before. I just don't, I think that it's, it's a decent enough movie. It just doesn't, since it was the last Paramount one, it just doesn't have quite that same feel as the rest of the Marvel movies, yeah. and I think that's why people are really down on it. Now, Jurassic Park. So, I clearly love this movie, and while I try to separate my rampant nostalgia for it, it is difficult. I find myself grinning stupidly and writing down all the quotes, which, also, this movie's really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's really funny. Jet, like, at... at oh. I find myself catching lines that I never caught as a kid, like like uh, <laughs> in the first scene with Hammond's just total presumption and Grant's bafflement at why this old man is in their trailer to Sadler just going, they're, they're, <laughs> they're small adults. It's just a really fun, funny movie. But, uh, sorry, what I was trying to get to was, so this is basically number 200 on the 250. Do you consider how do you do you consider this like a classic great movie or just an important point in cinema like how do you view this movie kind of in context with all of cinema and i need you to summarize that in 20 words or less <laughs> my stupid bullshit question uh... but i guess just like how do you feel about this movie in context with like do you consider it one of do you like is it one of the right films for you do you consider it like one of the best 200 of all time or is it just really a good movie? I honestly, I was, I would consider it in there just for, for being like a blockbuster compared to the other ones that came out of time, how it like shaped cinema from 93 on, like how it changed, like using CGI in movies now and stop you, like it kind of killed practical effects, but not really. It used it effectively. I'm getting off track. Yeah, I think it's on there. I think it, it deserves to be at 200 because there are films that are better. It's just that film. I feel like it's the best entry level film for like anybody. Like for any person to watch a first movie, I think it's like the best film to watch. 
I think this movie is definitely deserving of being up there with some of the best movies of all time. Again, simply because it did revolutionize a lot of things about the way that we make movies today. And also, I it's it's a really good movie. Like there are parts of it that are cheesy, but there are lots of cheesy things and lots of movies that we consider to be some of the greatest movies of all time and I think that more most importantly it has a real human element to it and it does it just does a really good job with all of its characters despite maybe there being some things about them that are stereotypical I think that there's really something for everybody in this movie and if that's not the basis that we're using for like what counts as a great movie then like what is a it's great movie it's a very subjective question in any way now I, th- and narrowing it down a little bit when it comes to Spielberg movies E.T. Jaws, Schindler's List uh, Indiana Jones and, uh, Saving Private Ryan just trying to get to catch me if you can um, where would this kind of rank for you and that's like kind of like because he's made so many great movies I feel like that's an even better way to kind of clarify where you think it falls. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I could like numerically rank it against his other movies, but I know. do think that Spielberg is at his best when he is doing something that is slightly comedic and that has that same, like, it, you could consider Indiana Jones a, a, like a family-friendly series for the most part. I think, I, I find Schindler's List to be a drudge of torture porn honestly and i That's feel the best picture of I, yeah and i feel that it is highly exploitative of the experiences of the jewish people and i think that saving private ryan has that same thing where it's like well we did all the violence uh can we have our oscar now whereas with indiana jones or et he's really doing something special and not just playing into that, like, vis- he's not playing into that visceral reaction that we have to seeing somebody's head blown off on screen. He's <laughs> actually trying and actually working for a real reaction. Yeah, it's like you got Oscar Spielberg, like, trying to get those Oscar wins, and then just him having fun with movies like Indiana Jones, E.T., Jurassic Park. It's like a duality of him, I guess. <laughs> the duality of Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. I mean... The his he he did Hook, Jurassic Park, and then Schindler's List. It's kind of defined there. And even in recent years, you see him doing Lincoln and Bridge of Spies, the Oscar movies. And I don't know, has he done a kind of E.T. or Jurassic Park in a while? I and mean, Super he was, Eight doesn't count. I say he was vaguely attached to Super Eight. Super Eight does not count. Well, he's doing the BFG. Oh, that's right. Yep. This very year, actually, there's an example. I mean, we haven't seen that yet, though, so we can't... I'm pretty sure that's, like, a kid's movie. Yeah, no, it's The Big Friendly Giant. It's based on a Roald Dahl novel. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping that that's going to be good. I have... Oh, he did Adventures of Tintin. Oh, that's probably the most recent one. I forgot that that happened, to be 100% honest with you. All right. Well, I think... uh, Did you have any... uh, Zach, did you have any last points on Jurassic World? Jurassic Park. Uh, Park, not Jurassic World. I'm, I'm... no more points on Jurassic World. Um, nothing I can think of. We pretty much touched on all of it. Um, surprisingly, yeah, I, the characters hold up really well in this movie, but I think that's due to like, um, he, uh, Spielberg credits the uh, Michael Crichton for writing the characters bonding so well. 
So I'd like to see, like, more Crichton stuff. I think that that's really maybe where Jurassic World does fail, is that it just does not have the Crichton spirit in it whatsoever. I say, having just said that we can have no more points about it. (laughs) Um, And speaking of Crichton, and I should mention Crichton a little bit more. That's why it's good to have an outline. My bad. Uh, but I, Crichton was one of my favorite authors in high school. I've drifted a little further from him now because most of the time his characters are even thinner than the ones in Jurassic Park, um, sometimes comedically so. And also, he, I mean, many of our best sci-fi movies are just, what if technology goes wrong? But uh, his movie... Uh, uh, once I realized that most of his books are about being terrified about the dangers presented by advancing technology and progress, and also how women are scary, um, at least in disclosure, I've drifted a bit from him a little bit. But that man knew how to write a techno thriller, that's for sure. I put him like here, him and Stephen King are kind of in the same class with me. Like when they're good, they're really good. And when they're bad, it's really obvious. They released some post-posthumous Michael Crichton novels, and God. There's a reason (laughs) that when people die and they leave their works unfinished, it should just be left alone. Yeah. Unless specifically stated in their will or something. Yeah, there was a pirate one they cobbled together, and it was not great. But Oh, wow. I just realized that Michael Crichton also uh, co-wrote Twister. One of the other first movies I ever watched as a kid. Yes. <laughs> that is weird. He's, uh, Andro- there was an Andromeda Strain movie. Uh, he started of... ER, actually. Yeah, he's one of the most adapted authors, mm. if I remember correctly. Well, Hollywood does have a penchant once it has some success going back to that same person. And Crichton <laughs> yeah. especially seemed to have What's the other an one? in Hollywood. There was another one that I actually saw recently that Ben and I watched. It was like... It was Crichton? Tri- it was Gerard Butler going back in time or something. I think. Timeline. Timeline, yes. I really liked that book as a kid, although I'm a little afraid. The movie's really bad. The movie's really it's bad. Real bad. I'm not sure how much the book would hold up. <laughs> it had. It was one of those ones that was like stuck in development hell and oh, had a whole yeah. bunch of bad things happen and editing with the studio and <laughs> that whole deal. But and another, just you know, another. Uh, piece of evidence for how great Jurassic Park is and how it will stand the test of time. There are so many podcasts based on Jurassic Park. There are at least two <laughs> Jurassic Park podcasts currently running that like get major interviews. One started in 2014, so they got the leg up, but the other one has like a website behind it. I just, how are there two years worth of material to talk about in Jurassic Park? Also, also... There is a podcast still running called, or I, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's it takes a movie every every episode and asks, "Is this movie better than Jurassic Park?" Oh my god! Which is that is preposterous. That is incredible. Uh, their most recent episode is "Is Deadpool better than Jurassic Park?" And right. I have not listened. It is just called oh. "Is It Better Than Jurassic Park?" Jurassic yeah. Park is a good. 
It was a good movie, yeah. but that is such a ridiculous is, pre- is premise. Is Deadpool better than Jurassic Park? You know what? I don't think Deadpool is better than Jurassic Park. I mean, yeah, but regardless like, just, of the fact that it's some rage. How and, long are their episodes? How long do you talk about oh, that let, every week? Let's let's dive in. Let's do a deep dive on this. I just like okay again. I, I I will fully concede that Jurassic Park is a good movie, but I just the level of fanaticism surrounding it is a complete mystery to me. Because <laughs> of dinosaurs. I I, I guess. Like. Like, I keep on saying, yeah, I watch a lot of giant monster movies as a kid, and I went to Godzilla conventions in Chicago, where there would be tons of, like, Godzilla fans, like, just worshipping a giant dinosaur, pretty much. And, (laughs) fun fact, I met the guy who was in the original Godzilla costume uh, at said convention. That is phenomenal. (laughs) That was probably the best moment of my life. (laughs) Wow, they... They are, they are very consistent. Uh, are the Best Picture nominees better than Jurassic Park? Uh, is Titanic better than Jurassic Park? Is The Revenant better than Jurassic Park? Is Back to the Future too? It's like, man, they put they put out a bunch I, of episodes. Just, that's wow. fine. I guess that's they're great. having a good time. Good so for them. Sure. <laughs> good for them. I hope they keep going. I hope they get listeners because we mentioned them on this podcast. I mean, I'm going to check it out, probably. <laughs> so, yeah, so now that we wrap that up. <laughs> um, Is Jurassic Park better than Jurassic Park? You know? Short-circuiting. I was <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this will be a controversial opinion, but hell yeah, it is. <laughs> so, uh, Zach, what is the movie that you would recommend in... in tan- uh, blah. What is the movie that you would recommend in correlation to Jurassic Park for people to watch? Um, I think I probably kind of alluded to this the entire podcast, but I'm probably going to go with the OG 1954 original Godzilla movie, mostly because um, it's basically to do with like punishing mankind for like advancing technology. At first, like face value is pretty much oh, a giant monster movie destroying. Uh, Tokyo and stuff, but at the time it was a propaganda film saying how bad, like, the nuclear fallout and the bombs were for Hiroshima, and it was masked, like, the fallout was masked as a giant monster, so they could get this movie published, and it kind of, like, wowed me to find that out, like, so many years later, to see this movie meant more than a giant monster, like how Jurassic World talks about genetics and how that technology works, and how it could, like, fail and punish you as a human, I guess, in a weird way. And and if anyone has the right to talk about how dangerous nuclear technology is, it is 100% Japan, so... Exactly. Also, this is another franchise that has way too many sequels. I think 29 now. Jesus. So, I think that follows good in suit. Also, I couldn't really think of any like similar dinosaur movies so i guess this cuts close for me at least it's good yeah i mean it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't always have to be exactly the same thing Mm -hmm. i was thinking about recommending event horizon just because sam neill's in it so what are you recommending Uh, you go first okay uh i'm gonna say that in the same it's definitely not the same kind of concept but the same kind of spirit i think Mm -hmm. uh the mummy starring brendan fraser and rachel weiss uh, another just super fun historical romp where it's slightly funny, slightly scary, 
The characters are hilarious. You have a badass female librarian kind of ending up saving the day. And Brendan Fraser, one of his few what I feel is really notable performances. Yeah, back when Brendan Fraser's career was still alive. <laughs> it sucks. I just It's funny because I feel like that movie I have kind of the childhood connection to as opposed to Jurassic Park because it's like my mom's favorite movie. I've seen The Mummy a thousand times and I love it every time. I really enjoyed that too. Sequels are not real. Also similar to Jurassic Park. The second sequel was it's, real for me. It's fine. It's fine. And then you get into like Scorpion King and the entire yeah. the entire yeah. Billy Zane Scorpion Dwayne King. Dwayne Johnson, the dawn of Dwayne Johnson's cinematic career. Yes, and the only time in in like history that I can think of in which PlayStation One level graphics were put into <laughs> a major so, cinema release. It's so bad. But yeah, uh, the first Mummy is really great and has the iconic <laughs> "Hey Benny." You're standing on the wrong side of the river, <laughs> which is one of my favorite lines in ever. And also Rachel Weiss being drunk and going, "I am a librarian," <laughs> and then passing the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, about that. She's I really, great. I really want to watch that movie. movie now. Actually, yeah. Me too. I really like. I like. I really like that recommendation before too, just because it's very much. I feel in the spirit and time, even though it came out. Eight years. Later, I think so. I think? It's the whole. The I think there was a lot happening during the '90s where we kind of wanted to return to that like simple but effective and fun storytelling. Yeah. And I'm hoping for that sort of renaissance soon. Now. <laughs> no, that's I, I like that because all of my all of my possible recommendations are very specific. The Sam Neill one. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, I was thinking about the thing. Uh, all of them have been mentioned too. The thing in terms of like practical. Another sterling example of. Uh, practical effects, although it doesn't have the melding with CGI, which makes it an imperfect recommendation, despite being a great movie. <laughs> what is your real recommendation? I am very curious now after this build-up. Oh, do I have to come up with one? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I, I decided to go the a modern monster movie route, and actually, Zach mentioned it. Uh, the Host. Oh, yes! I, I don't oh, think... <laughs> I don't think I've recommended it before, but um, it's by... It's but, the lit... Before, I think it's, actually, I don't know where it stands in filmography, but it's from Bong Joon-ho, uh, the director of Snowpiercer most recently, which was his first English language film. And if you enjoyed the uh, totally fun, preposterously over-the-top nature of that movie, definitely check out The Host. It I was not sure about it going in because at the time, all I knew is that it was on Netflix and had... Kind of a silly cover. The goofiest cover of all time. Goofy cover. It looks like a terror. Like it, the cover is the cover. Out of the water. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a bad sci-fi movie. It's the cover of a bad sci-fi movie. But then I heard, started hearing some things. I watched it, and that movie's a blast, man. That is that is much more on the comedic side of the monster movie. But I think that is great i think the true like honestly all of my favorite monster movies are the ones that don't take themselves seriously it's yeah. like the mummy and like jurassic park and... I, I thought about going the technology gone wrong in a modern movie route like with something like ex machina but we've talked about that movie so much and it's just a much different movie so i i, I am just fascinated by the how we are always always making movies about how technology will ruin everything with the technology that supposedly Always. will do it. Yeah. Well, that, that's why part of why I kind of liked her is that it's, is it technology ruins everything necessarily? It just it, it evolves beyond us and then they leave. I, I think 
I, I've talked about this at length. I, like, like, I want more positive views of technology I, as much yeah. as I enjoy the I think the that ones. as we start having younger people making movies, that will kind of go away. Oh. Because, like, really, we're the first generation that has kind of grown up with technology as a positive force in our lives. And I just think it's so ridiculous that over and over again we have presented to us these great tools to speak like for instance one of my best friends is from the netherlands i would have if we had been born 20 years earlier i would have literally never known of her existence and so i just think it's preposterous that we have all of these great tools to do great things and meet people we would have never known and we're constantly told to be afraid of them rather than lean into it and really unlock their potential yeah uh kayla what is your fun trivia Speaking of technology gone wrong, uh, out of the massive amounts of trivia that there is for Jurassic Park, one of my favorite things was just that apparently the giant T-Rex, every time it got wet, would malfunction and just randomly spark and come to life without being controlled. And so apparently on set, it would come to life, people would start screaming, everyone would freak out. And just having that memory of the T-Rex scaring me as a kid can really relate to that. (laughs) And I just... Yeah, I just would have loved to be on that, love to have been on that set and see a giant T-Rex come to life of its own accord and just watch people freak out. <laughs> but yeah, so that, there's, uh, that's, this is one of those movies where there are so many interesting things about it that it's really hard to pick something. So honestly, if you get a chance, just go read through the trivia on IMDb for this movie because there are so many interesting things that happened. I think that's why you can have so many podcasts with so many episodes about it is because between like the movie success and all the effects and the fact that it spawned all these sequels over the past 20 years, I think that it's given it a lot of life Yeah. beyond just the kind of state beyond just like the regular movie. Look, I am standing by the fact that it is ridiculous to talk about that movie every single week in regards to other movies. (laughs) Uh, do you know about the move, the uh, podcast where a bunch of guys watched Grown Ups every week and made a podcast about it for I, a year? Yeah, that guy uh, stole that concept from a female comedian and maligned her, the shit out of her and was a huge asshole about it. So oh, I had the first five episodes downloaded to listen to. I mean, you can still listen to it, but that guy sucks. So. I, got, sucks. I got a good podcast for you. It's called Garden Cast, and these guys review Olive Garden commercials. <laughs> and it's honestly one of the funniest things I've ever watched. They're like thirty minutes, thirty minutes long each episode, and they just keep on talking about like certain aspects of the commercials and what stand out to them. That's we so, need to become friends with those people immediately. That's, that <laughs> is Shout a out Garncast. I love that so much. I love that so much as well. I'm uh, putting that at the top of the show now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tyler, so what is your interesting stat of the week? Uh, so this is our first Spielberg movie, actually. And I wasn't even thinking about that when we start when we started, but he's another director with a ton of movies on the 250, and we're slowly working our way through the first movies of most of them. And uh, Spielberg has... Spielberg has seven movies on the 250. Jurassic Park comes in fifth of those seven. Above it, Schindler's List and Private Ryan, obviously super high. Uh, Raiders of the Ark and The Last Crusade, two Indiana Jones movies, clock in pretty high. Then in the bottom 50, you have Jurassic Park, Jaws, which should be higher, I think, but that's me. And Catch Me If You Can, just hanging, hanging out at the bottom, huh. which... 
I feel like that's the most talked about movie as being like the most forgotten movie. It's like the most overrated, underrated Spielberg movie. I'm surprised E.T.'s not on there. But yeah, I, I, I checked during the podcast because I thought that too. It's at a 7.8, which surprises me. Yeah. I feel like what Jurassic Park was to me, E.T. was to all all the people slightly older than me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you have seven movies on the 250. All right, so we have been Let the Right Films In. Thank you for listening again. Uh, thank you, Zach, for joining us. I know you've been wanting to be on for a long time, so we're glad that we were finally able to get you on board. I am so happy to be a part of this now. Yeah, obviously, yeah, uh, obviously we have pre- have had pretty much every guest on as a repeat and plan to have the ones that haven't been repeated on again. Um, just us hanging out with our friends, talking about movies. I'm really glad it's actually. I do want to comment on this because when we first envisioned having guests on the podcast, we didn't really mean for it to become an every week thing. But I am really glad that that's happened because I think it does make it a little bit more fun. As much as like as much as I do like talking about movies just with you, I think it adds something. So. Okay. I gotta admit, like, I was really nervous going into this, but like, <laughs> it, it chilled out pretty well for me. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the. I, I, that's what I to toot our own horn a little bit. I do like that so. we have more. It's more of a conversational thing than like a straight up uh, film casting is one that's kind of hard for me to listen to because film it's, spotting. Or I'm sorry, film spotting. It's so rigid and so just. Hello, here we are from the NPR studio. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, just chill out, drink a beer, like it's they, fine. They are on the actual radio. You I, I, have to. I know, but yeah, I know. But yeah, so um, here we are <laughs> with all of our fun links that just seem to expand every single week. So I'm going to try and get this down to more of like a wrap. We can do this. What if we go back and forth? Like, I'll be like, Facebook. <laughs> no, I just want to kind of get it done ah. more of like a rapid fire thing. So yeah. you can find us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is LTRFIPod. That is consistently the best way to get a hold of us. If you are interested in being a guest on the podcast or want to drop us a little bit of a longer line, you can email us at LTRFIPod at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash let the right films in where Tyler posts a bunch of links and has a good time there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook is notoriously horrible. So again, pretty much any other way is a better way to get a hold of us. We have a Tumblr, which is let the right films in dot Tumblr dot com. We post show notes and gift sets and posters and fun stuff there. In that same vein, we now have a Pinterest page, which Tyler is running because Tyler does literally everything. Uh, that is, you know, I same... think it's LTRFI. LTRFI. Yeah. Uh, same vein. That one's a lot easier, to be fair. I'm just mostly repinning things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool we... posters, though. <laughs> cool posters. We have a SoundCloud page where you can find all of our episodes. In that same vein, you can find us on iTunes. We would appreciate it if you would rate, review, and download. We are really grateful to the people that do that every week. I know we have a couple friends that just download them and don't, even if they don't have time to listen to them, and that does boost our numbers. So that's really cool. You can find us on all of your favorite podcatcher apps like Stitcher, Overcast, Podbay, etc. Um, let's see what's the last thing. Oh, we have our newsletter now, Ooh. which you can sign up for. It's tinyletter.com slash LTRFI. Yes. That's just our weekly roundup of movie news that we care about, reviews, Tyler making bad jokes. How dare you? <laughs> All of that good stuff. Uh, expect to see lots yeah. of interesting stuff there every week. And last but not least, Tyler has a Letterboxd account where he ranks the movies that we talk about on the podcast. It is Tyler Tells Tales. 
And yeah, I'm hoping that there are no other social medias that we could possibly add because this list is getting honestly a little ridiculous. Oh, you can add us on Snapchat. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can add me or Tyler on. You can add me or Tyler on Snapchat. We will not do a podcast. Find LTR if I pod on Instagram. God, there is nothing that we would ever post on Instagram. But, uh, Movie covers that we could post on literally any other social. Yeah, media. sure. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it really means the world to us that you guys follow us and interact with us and stuff like that. Uh, next week, I'm saying this, we're going to be recording it literally directly after this one because we are far behind, but next week we'll be back with an episode on Metropolis with return guest Phil Mayer. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm really hungry and want to eat some pizza before we record it in half an hour. (laughs) But yeah, so we will see you guys soon and most aptly out of every episode we have ever done. Please remember. Jurassic World is a terrible movie and always will be. <laughs> Although, Peace. no hate if you enjoyed it, because dinosaurs. Whatever. Do better. <laughs>
Pause for trailer. Trailer music. Trailer music. Yeah, trailer yeah. Music. <laughs> oh my god, instead of the trailer music, can you put in okay, so there's this video online where it replaces the scene where they first see the dinosaurs with like a bad harmonica cover. And it's like them like freaking out and the music is just like <laughs> 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 It's like it's so bad. And it is so funny. <laughs> oh you don't oh, god. <laughs> Don't move.